Well, good morning and welcome, Johnson Ferry. I'm so glad to hang out with you today. My name is Lee Taylor, and I serve as our family discipleship pastor. And we are walking through a series called Parables. And uh, these parables are short stories. Sometimes they're analogies, just kind of a word picture that Jesus used throughout his ministry to help people, the crowds, his disciples, really chew on these biblical truths that he was trying to help us understand. And we've been walking through that. Clay's been walking us through this series. And uh, today, we're going to be looking at one in Matthew chapter 7. This parable is towards the end of a famous sermon that Jesus gives. It's called the Sermon on the Mount, where a crowd gathered on the hillside and Jesus taught them all kinds of ideas, and these ideas were kind of contrary to the world that they were used to. Most of them were Jewish, and, and they grew up in this, this Jewish kind of world where uh, being really religious, following lots of rules, uh, was kind of the, the mainstay. And, uh, and, and as long as you are following rules uh, as well as your neighbor, then you're doing pretty good. And, uh, and he's trying to help them in this sermon understand that his kingdom is a little bit different. In fact, it's a lot different. It's an upside down kingdom that made a lot of people kind of scratch their heads um, when he started sharing some of the, these ideas. And he, he was talking in ways that um, they had never heard before. Um, he would say things like, the meek shall inherit the earth. He would say things like, if your righteousness or your right living or the way that you're following rules doesn't exceed those of the scribes and the Pharisees and the really churchy clergy people, then you will not inherit the earth. You won't inherit the kingdom. And he's basically trying to help them understand that just being religious and following the rules is not going to be enough. He goes on to talk about lots of other topics as well. He covers, uh, let's see, he covers anger, he covers lust, divorce, reconciliation, loving your enemies. He talks about anxiety. He teaches them how to pray. And then Clay uh, last week preached on being salt and light, which is also a part of this sermon as well. And then we get to chapter 7, which is the end of the sermon. And as he's kind of making his final lap, he kind of stops and pivots to a new topic, a new idea that he really wanted his followers and the crowd to start chewing on in their own life. And that's what we're going to look at today. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 through 5. It's also in your booklet. If you have a booklet, it's Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 through 5. Let's, uh, let's stand together and read those verses. Matthew 7, 1 through 5. Do not judge so that you will not be judged. For in the way you judge, you will be judged. And by your standard of measure, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, and behold, the log is in your own eye? You hypocrites, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you that we have your word. We have the Bible. We have your scripture that, as you tell us, is here to inspire us, to correct us, to reproof, to help us 
correct our lives and better sync up with your design for our life. So Lord, I pray for wisdom and discernment for us as we look at your scripture and see how we can apply it to our lives even today. And it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, this idea of judging is a pretty popular one, and if I must say, I'm rather good at it. I don't mean to brag, but I am pretty great at being judgmental and having an opinion that far exceeds just my opinion, and uh, I'm good at it. I mean, I'm really good at it, and, and, um, and I, I often, I'll brag about it as well. Now, I, mean, I think we're all pretty good at it, if we're, if we're honest, right? Like, and we see it all over social media, and in fact, there's a lot of people that may not even go to church, may not know who Jesus is, but they know this verse. Uh, they're, they're putting it on their Instagram, on their Twitter, on their TikTok, on everything. You know, whenever you say something to them that maybe they don't like or they don't like your response to what they just posted, then oftentimes it's, hey, don't judge me. Who are you to judge? Jesus says not to judge Christians. Why are you acting this way? Like they may not know any Bible verses, but they know this verse, right? And we see it all the time. And let's be honest, the church well, we've been really good at judging others. We're pretty good at being judgmental. And maybe, it, maybe it's by accident sometimes, maybe it comes across the wrong way, but it's 2,000 years later and we're still struggling with this. But I want us to look at it because sometimes we, we hear that verse, Jesus says not to judge, judge not or you will be judged. And so is Jesus telling us not to judge? I mean, obviously we use our judgment Every day. You used your judgment to decide what you were going to wear. Some of you had better judgment than others. Uh, some of you, uh, you used judgment on your drive, on your way here, whether to obey the speed limit or not. Some of you use your judgment whether or not to use to get a dog or a cat. And yeah, this is bad judgment, you know, uh, if you go with the cat. So it's, 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 it's obvious that we are using our judgment all the time, right? And, and Jesus wants us to use our judgment. In fact, he's, <clears throat> he's given us lots of scripture about this. And even in the next verse, right after this, what we just read, verse six, uh, talks about not throwing your pearls to swine, to pigs and dogs and using your judgment or else it'll be trampled on. Now, he's not talking about jewelry. He, he's talking about your wisdom and your truth, maybe even the gospel and sharing the gospel. So he's, he warns in verse 15 through 20 of this very same chapter, um, he warns against false prophets. John 7, 24 says, do not judge by appearances, but judge with right judgment. Don't judge by appearances, judge with right judgment. Galatians 1, 8 through 9 says, discern if someone is preaching a false gospel. And Ephesians 3, 2 says, look out for the dogs, look out for the evildoers. As a Florida fan, I appreciate this verse, um, but he has a different meaning. So there is a place for right judgment, right? There's a place for us to use right judgment. So, so what is he saying here? And, and what I think he's saying is that what Jesus is warning against is a rash, condemning judgment without discernment. Like this kind of judging is the critical uh, spirit, that critical negative spirit where you're judging somebody, you are, you are condemning that person. 
And what you're doing is you're really kind of taking the place of Jesus. You, you are not the judge. I am not the judge. Jesus is the judge. In fact, he talks about this in verse two. He, he's gonna unpack this a little bit more. Look at verse two. He says, for the way that you judge, you will be judged. And by your standard of measure, it will be measured to you. The way that you judge is gonna come back on you. And you will be judged by this standard. The way that you measure and compare is gonna happen to you. Somebody's gonna do this. And we see this all the time, right? Like somebody is really uh, judgy. Uh, I think of Jumanji and Jack Black. He's like, could you not be so judgy just for a second? Uh, Some of us are judgy towards somebody and obviously I'm gonna be judgy back, right? Like if you say this about me, I'm gonna say this about you. If you measure me and compare me, I'm gonna compare you. And it's this vicious cycle and Jesus is, is really trying to help his followers and us as the church go, hey, if you continue this, it's just gonna be a cycle. You're gonna be judgy, they're gonna be judgy. You're gonna have a critical spirit, they're gonna have a critical spirit, and on and on and on and on. And maybe you don't get it from that person, you get it from somebody else. And I I would guess that many of us have judged others because of the way that somebody judged us. And he's basically saying, knock it out. Quit it. This isn't helping anybody. And this this judgment comes from others, but it also comes from God. And the Bible is very clear that all of us will be judged by God. In Romans chapter 14, verse 10 through 12, he says, but you, why do you judge your brother? Or you again, why do you regard your brother with contempt? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall give praise to God. So then each one of us will give an account of himself to God. Each one of us will give an account of himself to God. Each one of us in this room, each one of us outside this room, whether you're a Christian, non-Christian, Buddhist, Muslim, uh, I'm not that religious, uh, whatever you are, all of us will have to give an account of our lives to God. The Bible is very clear on this. In fact, Paul goes on to talk about in 2 Corinthians 5.10, he says, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each of us may receive what is due for the things done while in the body, whether it was bad or good. So our rash condemnation creates like this boomerang effect with others and with God. We get judgment from others because that's what they got. But we also will be judged by the way that we live our lives. And we will be face to face with Jesus one day and have to walk through all of our decisions, all of our thoughts, all of the things that we said, all the things we texted, all the things we emailed, all the things we whispered, all the things that were behind somebody else's back, all of that will be part of that judgment. And I think some of this this comparison, this measuring up, uh, this this comparison game is, is a product of maybe the way that we look at life. 
Maybe the critical spirit that I have and the judgmental attitude that I have comes from the way that I'm viewing my purpose and my identity and my life. And what I mean by that is, I think for some of us in this room, we have this idea that, that God has like these cosmic scales, right? These scales, left, right, and, and, <clears throat> and that some of us think that if we just live a moralistic, good, Mr. Rogers kind of life, that hopefully that more good will tip this way than my bad, right? So I'm gonna do a lot of good deeds. I'm gonna live a good life. I'm just gonna be a good citizen, a good person, and that'll outweigh, and God'll see that, and he'll go, Lee, congratulations, you are a really good person, and so you get to spend eternity with me, and you don't spend eternity in hell where there's wailing and gnashing of teeth. Congratulations, you are a really good person. That would be amazing. That's not what is happening. That's not what the Bible says. That's not even what Jesus says. First of all, hell is a real place. Jesus describes it as wailing in, the, in a place of gnashing of teeth. So in this very real place, if your hope is to be this moralistic good person, you're in trouble because the Bible is very clear that all of our scales tip dramatically towards death. Every one of us in this room, all of our scales tip dramatically towards death. There's absolutely nothing we can do good that can tip this scale this way. It's like an elephant is sitting over here on this hand and I'm putting feathers on this side. It's not gonna move. The Bible's very clear that all of us have sinned. All of us fall short of the glory of God. All of us fall short And when I come face to face with Jesus, he's gonna look at me and he's gonna go, Lee, I'm sorry, but your scales tip this way. That you are guilty, you have sinned in your life, you have fallen short. But the good news is, is that I put my trust not in what I was doing. I put my trust in what Jesus did for me on the cross. And what Jesus did is he willingly goes to the cross and he takes on my sin. He takes on my brokenness. He takes on all the bad things I've done, all of my bad decisions. Sometimes I call them mistakes, but they're not mistakes. They're just bad decisions. And, and, and he takes all those things that are weighing this scale down and he takes those things upon himself on the cross so that when he conquered sin and death, that he conquered that for me. That yes, all of us have sinned. All of us have fallen short of the glory of God and the punishment is death. But the free gift of God is grace through faith. Not that anyone can boast, but it is through faith that we are saved. And that is the great news. And, and oftentimes I wonder if we had that kind of mentality, if that would change. And sometimes I think about it this way and I've shared this with the students before, and so if you've heard this before, I apologize, but it helps me think about how am I approaching my week coming in tomorrow? How am I approaching Monday through Friday this week? Because sometimes this is nice. This is real nice, right? Like we get together, we dressed up, most of you guys took showers, it's amazing, it's great, it's a great time, we're singing together, it's, it's a kumbaya kind of time, and we're worshiping God, and we're celebrating what God's doing, but then sometimes Monday through Friday looks drastically different. 
do our Mondays look like our Sundays? And I think about this, this story. I watch a lot of movies, and so it's, it's really my parents' fault. And so it's, I, I, I picture this where I'm in a car with my family, and I got my wife Heather and our three kids, Riley and Jackie and Mac, and they're in the back seat. We got our dog Chewy, and we're in there, and we have this horrible wreck, and the car flips up, upside down, and it's, it, it, we're all pinned inside the car, right? And you've seen this, this part of the movie where there, there's like gasoline and it's dripping and there's pools of gasoline and there's sparks flying and I can't get out of the, of the seatbelt. I can't get out, I can't get out. And then all of a sudden, Bobby Smith shows up. <laughs> and he leans down in his perfect hair and he goes, hey neighbor. And he grabs the car door and he rips it off my car like it's tinfoil. And then he rips off my, my seatbelt and he rips off Heather's seatbelt and he gets the kids out and he gets the dog out and then I'm the last one and he throws me over his shoulder and he's running in slow motion with me over his shoulder and of course the, the car explodes in slow motion. It's a fireball, right? And we're all safe. And how many people am I telling that story to tomorrow? If that really happened, how many people am I telling that story to? Everybody! I'm telling that to everybody, this week, next week, next month, next year, if we have more kids, which we won't, if we have more kids, we're, we're naming them Bobby, boy or girl, doesn't matter, right? We have, if you have another dog, Bobby, we're getting t-shirts, Bobby, I love Bobby, right? Because that's an amazing rescue story, that's an amazing rescue story, and Jesus is going, yeah, yeah. And you have an equally amazing rescue story in your life because guess what? I saved you from an eternal fireball. You have been drastically and amazingly rescued from the pit of despair, from hell itself, and you have been rescued from the grasps of that. You have an amazing rescue story if you're a follower of Jesus. If you said, I am all in with Jesus. And that is the story that should be propelling us forward tomorrow. That should be the story on our mind as we go to work this week. Whether you're a butcher or a baker or a candlestick maker, it doesn't matter because you have a purpose now and your purpose is to share your rescue story with your coworkers, with your neighbors, with your coaches, with your teammates, with your classmates. They wanna hear the story because they're looking for something. They're trying all kinds of things, hoping that's gonna fill their need. You, students, look over here. You got a whole room of adults that are doing the same thing. They're trying to fill that void with something else. And you have an amazing story that can point them to the one that can save them. But instead, we're comparing, we're criticizing, we're judging, we're playing the wrong game. Verse three, Jesus gets even more into it. He's not done with you. Look at verse three. He says, why do you look at the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck that is in your eye, and look, the log is in your own eye. This is the ultimate mic drop, by the way. Jesus has jokes, even in his sermon. This is an amazing picture. He goes, hey, uh, you're so concerned with Betty's little speck, her little eyelash, uh, and yet you've literally got this, in your head. You are walking around like this as if it's no big deal. Hey, how's it going? Good morning, y'all. 
Y'all get your coffee? Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, good to see you. Yeah, amen. And so we're walking around like this, and then for some reason, we look at our friend, our brother, our sister, and we're going, hey, by the way, did you know you have a speck in your eye? Yeah, let me get that. Let me get that. I can't reach this way. Let me go this way. The point is, it's ridiculous. Jesus is saying, yeah, that is ridiculous. Actually, the word for log in in this text is actually the roof beam of your house. So it's like 10 times bigger, 10 times longer, heavier, but I'm not that strong. So we're just going to use this for for today. But it's ridiculous. And he's he's trying to make an ultimate point. But we we all fall for it, right? We all fall into this trap where we, for some reason, we want to focus on their issue and not mine. We want to focus on what's wrong with this person, but not me. We want to focus on that thing, not my thing. I was reading a story this week of a husband that was convinced that his wife was, she was losing her hearing, and so he stood in the back of the room, and her back was turned to him, and he said, hey, hun, can you hear me? And she didn't say anything. So he took another step. He says, honey, can you hear me? She didn't say anything. He took another step. Honey, can you hear me? Finally, he gets right behind her head. He goes, hey, can you hear me? And finally, the the wife says, yes, for the fourth time, I can hear you. (laughs) My, My favorite story, though, is my friend Matt that grew up in Alabama. As a teenager, he had long hair, and he vividly remembers walking out of church one Sunday and one of the deacons stopping him. And the deacon said, hey, boy. When are you going to cut your hair? Like, for some reason, we get just entangled with somebody else's issue and not ours, and we become blind to our own misgivings, our own challenges, and the things that are, that are holding us back. And I want you to look at verse 5, because he's going to give us kind of a prescription for this ailment, for this epidemic that we have. In verse 5, he says, you hypocrites. Let's just stop there for a second. You hypocrite. I just want to yell that out loud in a church. You hypocrite. I mean, that word right there, everybody in that crowd knew what he was talking about. Because that word is similar to the word for an actor, a pretender. That word is literally made up of the word, the same word judge is in the word hypocrite. It means under judge. So you're under a mask, you're under something while you're judging. And just like an actor in the Greek times, the Greek theater, they would use all these masks to cover up their faces and pretend that there's somebody else. And Jesus is going, yep, that's what you guys are. Award-winning Academy Award performance, y'all. Great job pretending. What an amazing actor you are. When you act like that person has an issue and you've got this coming out of your head. What an amazing actor you are. And then he gives a prescription. He says, first, take the log out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. So Jesus instructs us to do two things. First, examine ourselves then engage with our brother. Examine, then engage. We gotta examine ourselves, do a self-check. 
Notice the giant beam coming out of our head. Get healthy by removing that and get in a healthy place so then I can lean in and engage with my brother and sister. Now, what he doesn't do, well, let me just back up. I think sometimes I hear this from people, um, well, in my, in my mind I'm hearing this from people. Uh, Lee, I, I don't have a problem judging. I, I, I accept everyone. I, I don't judge. I don't, uh, I don't condemn. Uh, you do you, you know? That's, that's my motto. And that's not scripture. That's not what Jesus says. Jesus doesn't give us a pass to not engage. This isn't a verse for us to go, well, who am I to say that Bob is struggling with this and who am I to go to Martha? Who am I to share with Betty? Who am I to speak into? And, he, and he's saying, yeah, it's you because you're the brother. For the same reason that uh, all of us have probably burned our hand on a candle or a flame or a hot stove, and if we saw a young kid running to a hot stove, we wouldn't go, well, who am I to say, I've burned my hand before, who am I to tell little Billy not to touch the oven? No, it's the, it's the exact opposite, right? Like, because I've been hurt, because I have encountered this before, let me prevent you, try and help you from jumping into this dangerous situation. He wants us to lean in. We don't get a pass to not say anything. And, and I know sometimes we think, well, what will they think? Because I, I, I've messed up. And I think that's the best testimony. I think the best person who has a, a wooden splinter in their eye would love somebody to say, hey, you know what? This used to be me. And I was able to get it out and get in a healthy place. And I'd love to walk with you to help you get that wooden splinter out of your eye. It's not because we're perfect that we can approach, it's because we're imperfect and we have a story of walking with some people, right? Or maybe it's, it, it's this idea, again, that, that we're, we're called to just lean in and to keep, keep the team healthy. Christianity is an individual decision. I can't make the decision for you to trust Jesus. You have to do that yourself. Your parents can't do that for you. Your brother and sister can't do that for you. Your spouse can't do that for you. You have to decide that you want to go all in with Jesus and make him your king and your savior. But once you do, it's a team sport. Once you do, as Christians, as followers of Jesus, we band together to serve, to share and show the love of Jesus to those outside these walls so that they can get the same news that we got and make the decision themselves. And we can't do that individually. We have to do that together. Christianity is a team sport. And if you have a team member that needs help, you're gonna help your team member. You're gonna, you're gonna lean into that, right? You're gonna lean into that conversation. For some reason, we think that, that we don't, that's not our place. That's not for me to see. That's not for me to do. The other situation is that you aren't engaging with anybody here. 
And maybe all you're doing is coming in here and sitting in the service and then leaving on your way out and never engaging the church. And let me just tell you, that's not a good picture of church. You're not getting the full picture. You're getting a slice of church. This is great. I love worship. I love coming together. I love hearing scripture. I love hearing Clay preach and learning from him. But if you're not engaging with church members, if you're not in a biblical community, if you're not growing in your disciples, if you're not discipling somebody and somebody discipling you, then you are missing out on church. The Great Commission isn't to go therefore and sit in a service. We want you to do this, yes, this is great. But eventually we want you to get up from your seat and get engaged with others so that you can help fulfill the Great Commission, which is to go and make disciples because there's a world of people outside these walls that are lost and that are spending eternity separated from God and they need to know what you know, right? So engage, examine, and then to engage, I just wanna give you four questions. These questions I found in this book, uh, Seated with Christ by Heather Holloman, Living Freely in a Culture of Comparison. And the book, the reason she wrote this book is because she, get, she got caught up in what we get caught up in from time to time, and it's wanting that seat. Why don't I have that seat at that table? Why am I not in that boardroom? Why am I not in that corner office? Why am I not on that team? Why am I not with those people? Why am I not with those friends? And this feeling of being left out, which creates the whole comparison game until she realized through scripture that as a child of God, that Jesus has invited her to sit at his table, that all of us have a seat at his table. And she came up with some questions that I thought were good and be really helpful for us as we're trying to figure out how to deal with this uh, log or plank or beam in our eye. And so I, I call this uh, four questions for log removal. So the first question is, is knowing Jesus better than anything? Is knowing Jesus better than anything? Is knowing Jesus better than your checkbook? Is knowing Jesus better than your promotion? Is knowing Jesus better than pornography? Is he better than that relationship that you're in? Is he better than your boyfriend? You fill in the blank yourself. What is it that if you were really honest that you would say, maybe, just maybe, this thing is better than what I think knowing Jesus is? Number two, will I live the life God asked me to? Will I live the life that God has asked me to? We're getting ready to do some baptisms here in just a second. And we always ask two questions whenever we baptize somebody. The first question is, who is your Lord and Savior? Who is your King and Savior? Who are, who are you giving your life to? Who are you going all in with, right? And the answer is Jesus. And the second question is, are you willing to follow him wherever he may take you? Like, is he your King now? Not just when you die and go to heaven. Is he your King 
Now, is he your king of your finances? Is he king of your marriage? Is he king of your dating life? Is he king of your thought life? Is he king of your school? Is he king of whether or not you get into that particular school? Are you willing to go wherever God may take you? Number three, is there anything in my life that doesn't please God? I don't like that question. Is there anything in your life that doesn't please God? And maybe it just starts off as a splinter, as a speck. Ah, it's not that bad. My parents let me watch it. Oh, it's not that bad. It's on Netflix. Can't be that bad. Oh, it's not that bad. It's just one email. It's just a whisper. We all know what happens, right? When you get something in your eye over a period of time, like it gets annoying, and then it gets irritating, and then you're, you're doing this a lot. You're just, you're, just, you're just winking the whole time, and then, and then all of a sudden you just can't, you can't even open your eye, you know, and then you're walking around like this, and that's weird, and that's obviously there's something going on, but, you know, nobody's going to ask you about it, and so you just keep on walking, and then eventually it just gets swollen and swollen, and eventually your eye falls out. <laughs> but that's the way sin works, right? <laughs> Satan doesn't come out in red tights and a horn and a pitchfork and go, That would actually be funny, you know, and that would be be really helpful, you know, like, oh, there's Satan, I shouldn't go there, okay. Oh, Satan's on this website, I'm not going to go there, okay, cool, thank you, Satan. But that's not how he works. It's the small things, right, that turn into big things, and he uses those things. And lastly, am I available to be God's spokesperson? Are you available to be God's spokesperson? Are you available? Yes. Are you willing? Are you willing? Are you available this week at work, in the home, in the neighborhood, in your classroom, in the gym, on the golf course, the pickleball court? Are you available to represent and to be his spokesperson? So, you, you know, I think about, like, well, why did Jesus make a point with this, with the crowd? Why did he stop what he, in his sermon and kind of pivot to this? And I think it's to stay on mission. Clay preached on being salt and light last week, and I think that's precisely his point. Like, for us to stay salt and light, we've got to get this right. And so Jesus wants us to lean in and help each other inside the church so that we can help others outside the church find truth, belonging, and purpose in Jesus. The more that we lean in in relationships here and grow as a family and encourage one another and hold each other accountable and get in each other's lives and study God's word and allow the Holy Spirit to convict us and change us, the healthier we're gonna be as a church, the healthier we're gonna be as a tool for God to use to to draw more and more people from our community, from our area, from our families to him. What can't happen is if our, if our business card that we're handing out each day looks something like this. If our business card looks something like this, yeah. 
I mean, that's what, who's going to listen to what you have to say? Who cares how right you are with this thing sticking out of your head? So let's get healthy as believers. Let's get healthy as Christians so that we can help each other, so we can ultimately be of service to God and be on mission with him to help people find truth, belonging, and purpose in Jesus. In just a minute, we're going to witness some people that made that decision today. They made a decision to go all in with Jesus. They found truth, belonging, and purpose in Jesus, not in anything else. And they want to celebrate it through baptism and go public with their decision today. And I pray that as a church, as we continue to grow and grow and grow and get healthy, that more and more stories of life change, more and more stories of marriages being saved, more and more stories of anxiety going away and depression and suicide rates, that people find that truth because of how God is using us through the Holy Spirit. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, I do thank you for your love for us. I thank you for your grace. I thank you for what you did on the cross to take on our sin and our brokenness. And I pray that if there's somebody in this room today that has never made that decision to go all in with you, has never made that decision to personally trust you as their king, as their Lord and Savior, and to trust them, trust you for what you did on the cross, that they would do that today, that they would simply just say right now that I know, God, that you love me. I know that I'm a sinner and that I've fallen short and that my scales tip dramatically towards death but I am gonna hold on to the promise of what you have done on the cross for me and that you have saved me from my sins, that the song that we sang earlier, that Jesus paid it all and all to him I owe, that sin did leave a crimson stain in my life, but now it has been washed white as snow. Lord, I thank you for the way that you instruct us and encourage us and really challenge us Lord, I pray that you would give us wisdom and discernment through your Holy Spirit today to take what we've learned today, to take your scripture, to take your teaching and apply it to our life so that we would not just be hearers of the word, but that we would be doers of the word. That we can share and show the love of Jesus to those around us starting today. And that Monday through Friday would look exactly like today. And it's in Jesus' name we pray.